0: what is up football life this is football life presents the audible i am your host randy hammond uh preparing excited for game one of the wild card round with my new york yankees taking on the cleveland indians but i am joined by my co-host who is a happy camper because his chicago white sox just took a 1-0 lead over the oakland days but this is a football podcast matt we got some football to talk about how are you doing my friend
1: I'm doing well. I stayed up a little bit later than I wanted to with that Chiefs and Ravens game. Coming off a very productive week, Randy. 13-2-1 this past week in my prediction. So I'm going to give myself the old pat uh, a <laughs> on the back. And you know what? Better to be lucky than good. <clears throat>
0: You know, that's what I always say. I've never really been that good at anything, but I've been very lucky. So I'm with you on that. Uh, we're going to break down each and every game that happened in week three. A lot of good stuff, a lot of bad stuff, and a lot of ugly stuff. And We're going to touch on it all. Um, and we're going to touch on some injuries, a, a COVID situation. will be involving two teams going on right now. Uh, we're going to preview Thursday Night Football and give a quick fantasy update as well. And obviously, I will be monitoring my Yankees game as we speak. So uh, don't mind me if I am distracted. But, Matt, we're going to start right with that Monday night football game, the game that we touted as the game of the year, the Chiefs and Ravens. And the only word I can say is it's kind of underwhelming.
1: I don't know what the NFL does with the Kansas City Chiefs at this point. Like, you just figure. And to, to be honest, if, if you can't throw the football and you become one-dimensional, that defense is so good that it's going to make life hell for you, as you can see with Lamar Jackson's 97 passing yards. Um, you, you can't win that way in this league. I, I'm sorry for, you know, people thinking that you could take that college system and take all that with you and be successful. And it's just not possible. I, I just think that these defenses thrive on making you one dimensional, whether it's by making you pass or run. So with that being said, I, I, I don't even know how to describe Mahomes anymore, Randy. I just, I really don't.
0: What is there to say? I mean, we we have been talking about how this is the best football player in the NFL, and he is slowly heading towards, maybe not even slowly, but reaching uh, GOAT levels of quarterback play, levels that we have never seen before. And, you know, we talk about the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, we have different opinions. There's a lot of variables between talent and accomplishments and career, longevity. Um, As far as talent goes, I don't know if we've ever seen a guy more talented than Patrick Mahomes. He just does things that, you know, other – that shouldn't really be fair. Or, like, I'm talking like a backpedal, um, getting yourself 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage and just throwing a bomb 60 yards on the, on the fly, perfect to Mecole Hartman. Like, it was so effortless for Mecole Hartman, literally just to cradle his arms and the ball just to perfectly be there. Like, it was in the most beautiful spot. And I'm in awe of Patrick Mahomes each and every week. And uh, just his stat line you know 31 of 42 385 yards four touchdowns he also had four carries for 26 yards and a rushing touchdown so i mean he this was all, this game was about pat mahomes so when i talked about how i didn't like how the chiefs looked against the chargers this game proved to me that they were overlooking the chargers and were preparing for the baltimore ravens that game didn't mean anything to them. They knew they could beat the Chargers without even preparing for them. And that says a lot about how good the Chiefs are and other things about the Chargers. But anyway, this was a close game in the fourth quarter. I don't want to act like the score is indicative of how this game wasn't – you know, it, it was a kind of a blow, but it also was still a game. Um, Chiefs won this game 34-20, to but it was 27-20 into the fourth quarter. Um, the problem with the Ravens, and this kind of got exposed last night, is that they are a team that needs to be ahead. They need, by design, for, for scripting of the game and play calls, Like they are a running attack first and not a passing team at all. Their downfield passing is, is, needs improvement big time. Um, for me, game script was a big issue. If the Ravens are not ahead in a football game, you can see this happening to them quite frequently. But against, again, with the Chiefs, it's hard to judge. But to me, the Ravens, I don't know about how you, how you feel, Matt, but the Ravens to me are not a team that can go down 14-3 uh, to three and come back
1: like that no i'm not sure if there's a team in the afc that can outside of the chiefs maybe the steelers and that's kind of what we're looking at right now randy i I really feel that's the collision course in the afc is the only team that's going to get in the chief's way is going to be the steelers i would say tennessee but we're talking about a tennessee team that narrowly escaped jacksonville and narrowly escaped minnesota So that's going to be difficult right there. And like Henry said, like Mahomes is getting better before our eyes. Like for the longest time, I always said, John Elway was the most talented quarterback I ever seen in my entire life. I thought John Elway was fantastic. What I see in Patrick Mahomes is John Elway Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, I see all of it in there. He doesn't get rattled under pressure. He's clutch when he needs to be clutch. He can move around the pocket. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what angle he can throw. I mean, it doesn't underhand. Like we talked about on the pre-show is when he threw the the fullback shuffle pass. He threw an underhand and it was a perfect spiral. I have never seen mm-hmm. that shit in my life from a quarterback. <laughs> so, so we're just talking about the elite of the elite right now. I I've, i said it before the season started. I thought this team was going to go sixteen and zero. I the, the only way the only way I promise you that this team loses a game if they're just totally disinterested and they want to lose. They left twenty one points on the board last night. If if not twenty eight, like I think it's. I mean, they missed two field goals.
0: Uh, one one, like one being an extra point, but I mean, there's four points right there.
1: Yeah, and plus the two turnovers that they had that were completely mm-hmm. preventable. I I'm just beyond comprehension of how you stop this offense. Cause even though as much as we talk about the Ravens offense, it was supposed to be the Ravens defense, keeping them in this game. The, the, yeah. That was the thing. Like the Ravens have a really good, well-balanced team and their defense will make sure the offense can get ahead. The chiefs were like, okay, you got three points. Oh, well, just watch us get seven. They went yeah. down. Like it was nothing. It was yeah. just like the wind. So yeah. I, I just can't, I can't just stop this. This chiefs team does whatever they want, whenever they want. And it doesn't matter who you are. If the best defense for my money, as I say, I'll give the bears some grief a little bit later in the show, but you know, I, I think the bears have the best overall unit. I think the chiefs would slaughter the bears defense and I don't think it would be close. Yeah. And so that's my measuring stick.
0: Well, it's, it's team speed. I don't know any defense that can keep up with the speed, and I thought the Ravens' defense was equipped to maybe contain them, but you're, as you're seeing, they're, they're capable of blowing the doors off of any def- defensive unit. Maybe the Steelers, like you said, maybe they can get to Mahomes quick enough where they can't um, get rid of the ball, but at the same time, you know, Tyreek Hill, Michael Hardman, Travis Kelsey, Clyde edwards helaire Anthony Sherman making plays. Like, they're, they're so stacked. Like, Sammy Watkins is, like, the sixth option on, on this on this team, and he was the, you know, fourth overall pick um, a few years back. So, I mean, the team is loaded. Their team speed is unreal. There's no team even close to the, how fast they are. Uh, even Demarcus Robinson is so fast, he just can't catch the ball. You know, I mean, they're just – they are ridiculous. And the play calling, I just want to talk for a second because Andy Reid is a damn football genius, especially offensively how creative he is with the play calls. Like, we talked about that shovel pass. You have Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, all on the field at the goal line. And you have a potential for, like, a quarterback sneak with Patrick Mahomes. And what does he do? He spreads the ball out wide, and they they back up Mahomes. It's a little screen, a little shovel pass to the fullback of all people, the freaking fullback, Anthony Sherman. And I'm just like, you know, that is genius, because not only are you trusting the guy you least suspect, you also catch the, completely, the defense completely off guard by not going to any of your strengths. Uh, they have that confidence in their team all around. And what they do with the tight end slip passes, like they are so creative with how they use Travis Kelsey, with their play designs, with the crossing routes. It is unlike any other team in the NFL. And I love watching the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I envy Chiefs fans. And, you know, I as a Giants fan, I can't help but to think that this team is just in a whole different stratosphere compared to the team that I root for. And it's it's nice to watch. They're becoming, you know, the, the Golden State Warriors of football almost where they are dangerously good at everything and that they might not have a, a competitive opponent until the Super Bowl, if even in the Super Bowl. So, um, we'll see what happens there. Matt, any more thoughts on this game before we move on to the other primetime game this week? The,
1: the Ravens got to do a lot of soul searching at, at this stage in the game. Uh, just Just to focus on them a little bit, to lose that way, to be hyped up as much as they were, and to be labeled a contender, I mean, th- that, that was a body shot that they took that may have knocked them out. That's how big of a statement the Chiefs made. And I know you said the game got close in the fourth quarter. It, it didn't feel close to me just because of all the lost opportunities and the Chiefs basically doing whatever they want. So the, the Ravens took a hell of a body shot here. I don't know how they get the confidence. You heard Lamar Jackson say there are kryptonite. You can't be saying shit like that. Because it's already over. Yeah. They meet in the playoffs no. again. I'm sorry. This is going to be hard for them to come back from.
0: Yeah, if they if they run into each other in the playoffs here, uh, hold on. Aaron Judge hits a deep fly ball, and it's out of here. Let's go, Yanks. Sorry.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bieber's weakness. My
0: boy Aaron
1: Yeah, that, that's Bieber's weakness. Yes. He does give up the home run. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be
0: a very odd podcast for us, I feel. Um, but the thing about the Ravens, and I said it at the beginning, is that game script matters a lot to them. And they need to have ball control offense. They need to be able to, to rush the ball down the other defense, defense's throat. Um, they had the chance to set the tone for this game early. And it was Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And they drove the ball downfield, but then they stalled. And then Chris Jones made a couple plays, and they had to settle for a field goal. If they could have punched that ball in the end zone, maybe this, this game changes a little bit. But the Ravens need to work work out some things. And, you know, maybe we'll see between now and the playoffs if that changes. But, like you and I have been saying, the Chiefs are so ridiculous. I can't imagine how that changes, um, and, and, you know, especially this year. I need Lamar Jackson to develop more as a downfield thrower, and yet he has, not, he has yet to do that to this point. So, okay. So, speaking of downfield passers who are very good at their jobs, who are veterans in the NFL, who are two future Hall of Famers, Sunday night football, the Green Bay Packers going in to the Superdome in New, New Orleans and putting, putting it on the Saints here uh, without Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers is on this FU tour, and he looks incredible. Uh, the Packers win this game 37-30. to 30. The, It was kind of an interesting battle here because the Packers were without Devontae Adams, the Saints were without Michael Thomas, both without the number one wide receivers, and it just appears like to me that despite Breeze's stat line, which you can thank a ridiculous Alvin Kamara run for, uh, that Aaron Rodgers is playing at a much higher level than Drew Brees is at this point.
1: Like I, we talked about it, you know, to start the year. It's like everything that we talked about, Randy, is coming to fruition almost. Um, <laughs> this is the last stand for Drew Breeze. I mean, this is the OK Corral, and he's losing this gunfight. It ain't looking too good for him. Even with Michael Thomas, I don't know what changes. For this offense because Brees There's no respect on his deep ball anymore Everyone knows it's all no. underneath dump offs And I know Chris Collinsworth was lamenting the fact that Oh Sean Payton is so good At drawing up these little plays They don't worry about throwing deep Well when the Saints were good A couple years ago They were able to throw the deep ball So the defenses had to mm-hmm. uh, you know, respect that And that opened up a lot of run lanes For Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara And let's not kid ourselves This Packers defense leaves a whole crap load to be desired. This defense is not something Mm -hmm. that I think teams need to be worried about. The 49ers really exposed them last Mm -hmm. year. You just attack them with the run game. You get gaps. This defense can be gashed. So there's problems here for the Packers, but offensively there's no flaws. I mean, they can put up 40 with the best of them. Maybe the Chiefs are better offensively, but – the Packers are probably the second best offense in the NFL unfortunately for yeah. a lot of us.
0: <laughs> well, I mean it's the, you know, you have the Chiefs who are light years ahead of everyone and then there's like the Packers and the Seahawks and you know guys with, with quarterbacks who, you know, are capable of winning you games just based on their talent alone. Um, when you have a, an offense like the Packers have, all you need is your defense to be average and you'll win games. Uh, if you have an atrocious defense who is going to give up all these leads, then obviously that's a bigger issue. But, you know, you look at Devontae Adams is, a, is an elite NFL wide receiver. You know, I don't think any of us would argue otherwise. He's probably top five in the NFL and his absence is huge, I think. But despite that, Alan Lazard comes in, has six catches for 146 yards and a touchdown. Robert Tanyan comes in, has five catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. Jay Sternberger, three for 36. Like, Aaron Rodgers is so good at spreading the ball around. And as long as he trusts his guys, you know, it's, they're clicking on all cylinders. And that's the big thing is trust. It's similar to Brady where Brady didn't trust the guy. Forget about it. Um, but the Packers, man, are impressive. They're 3-0 and now, and they their offense looks like it is top three offense in the NFL to this point. I want to talk about the Saints quick here. Specifically, Alvin Kamara, because I I kind of gave them crap for giving him the contract that they gave him, but in Michael Thomas's absence, uh, he has absolutely put on a show here. He's had, he had six carries for 58 yards, but he had 13 catches for 139 yards and two touchdowns, and possibly the run of the year, which he he caught a a screen and made I I'd say seven Packers defenders miss, and kind of look back as he walked in the end zone, like, whoa, none of you guys can tackle me, which the Packers do this from time to time where they fail to tackle people and help people get paid and make people look really good. But nonetheless, this has been a year so far for Alvin Kamara.
1: Yeah, I give kudos to Kamara. I think he's really proven a lot of skeptics wrong. I think the big thing was, oh, you can't run Kamara – 20 times a game. I think that's still true. I don't think that changes anything, but I don't think he's getting paid to run 20 times a game. I think he's getting paid to touch the ball 20 to 25 times a no. game. So you get him in open space. With the Saints, it just goes back to there's too many holes defensively. There's too many holes offensively. This is not the same Saints team. You're looking at an older roster that has a lot of holes. Michael Thomas comes back. It's not going to cure it because defensively you still have too many holes. So Without the fans in that dome, it's not as intimidating. You know, the noise there really makes it rough. It's almost like Seattle, you know. Seattle, when they play Dallas, who knows what happens with Dallas? Do they score 31 points? Probably not. Do the Packers score 37 points in this dome with the crowd? I I don't think so. But, you know, an interesting point by my boy Nate that, you know, joined the chat. He asked, the longevity for the Pack – can they keep the same energy? I, I any issue with this team, and this is what worries me for some teams. Do you peak too early? Are are we waiting? Yeah. Are, are we looking at the Chiefs? Maybe the Chiefs are peaking too early. Maybe the Packers are peaking too early. Maybe the Saints are just biting their time to really hit their stride. I I don't know. I, I think the Chiefs are a different level. The Packers, I can kind of make a case for that because they are older in some areas. You know, the Saints this may be their peak. Maybe. Um, I think for the
0: Packers' sake, though, I mean, Matt LaFleur has not been the greatest coaching experiment, I don't think, but at the same time, he's been winning. And I think now you're starting to see the offense and his vision. And I think, obviously, the play of Aaron Rodgers helps that. But with a good offensive line and a good running game, uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, the sky's the limit with this guy. So I think the the Packers are built to last – offensively, specifically because of the run game and because of the play of Aaron Rodgers. But if Rodgers gets hurt or they're ineffective running the ball, then obviously that's going to change. The defense I worry about, like you talked about, but when you have an offense that good, you can afford to give up, you know, 21, 24 points a game. I'm not too worried about the Packers long-term, but the Saints, without the fans, and it's still a tough division, I, I don't know what you're going to see from the Saints here long-term because the Bucks look like they're hitting their stride. So uh, we'll see what the Saints moving forward, but they need Michael Thomas back in the worst way. That's for sure, but uh, we're gonna move on now and do rapid fire of the recap games here, uh, the Sunday games here, the rest of them. Um, Matt, why don't you start us off with our first game here? Uh, we'll go every other.
1: Oh god, th- this one hurts. Th- th- this one's the doozy. So here's my mia culpa, Josh Allen. <laughs> you're not garbage. You are not trash. Maybe you're recyclable. Maybe. I mean, it's possible. The refs bailed you out with a terrible pass interference call in the end zone. So, you know, I can't give you all the credit. I mean, you had your plus one with the refs. But – For those interested, the Buffalo Bills beat the Rams 35-32. The Rams dug themselves a deep hole, um, a lot due to Jared Goff's poor play. But it's Daryl Henderson's coming out game. 20 carries, 114 yards with a touchdown. And not only that, just for good measure, he added one reception for six yards. So he kind of had 120 total yards. Not bad for a running back. Um, But Josh Allen, you know, we keep on going the Josh Allen show, 24 for 33, 311 yards, four touchdowns. Tip my cap to you, Josh, four carries, eight yards and a touchdown. Um, But really, you know, the the Bills showed something against an okay team. Um, I'm going to give the Rams a little bit of a pass here because they did have to travel all the way across country. So I'm not going to give the Rams a bouquet of flowers and forgive them for this loss, but the Bills did an okay job.
0: All right. Uh, from Western New York, New York to uh, New Jersey now, where uh, the New York, I guess, football giants, I don't know if you call what they do now football, uh, but they got absolutely walloped by the 49ers, 36-9 to in the Niners' second consecutive win at MetLife Stadium, taking care of business against the two worst teams in the NFL. Um, this game is very disappointing as a Giants fan uh, because – I talked myself into the the fact that they needed to win this game. Um they, they needed to take advantage of the back of quarterback and how the Niners were banged up. And they not only could not win this game. They could not even be competitive with the Niners' backups in this game. Nick Mullins looked like the second coming of Joe Montana. He was 25-36, of 36, 343 yards and a touchdown. The Giants' defense offered no resistance, and this game could have been even been a bigger blowout. Jarek McKinnon had a touchdown catch called back on a penalty, and several other plays from Brandon Ayuk were called back from a penalty, and Brandon Ayuk played really well in this game. This is his coming out party as a rookie. He had three carries for 31 yards, mind you, but he also had eight targets, five catches for 70 yards. He looked really good uh, and gave the Giants best defender um, James Bradbury issues the whole game. Um, Look, I'm just going to be straightforward with you. All offseason, I have been very negative, very down, very pessimistic about the Giants. This has been the worst stretch of football in franchise history. They have been the worst NFL team in the last three years record-wise, and it is not close. They are worse than the Browns, who went 0-16 one of those years. They are worse than the Jets, who many of us by like think by far have been the worst franchise in the NFL. I'm sick and tired of the Giants fans trying to spin this. as some sort of positive thing. It is not. They are a big joke. They are worse off now than when they were when Dave Gettleman got there. I cannot stand this whole thing get rid of Dave Gettleman I'll drive him to Nantucket myself it's only three hours away I'll happily do it and I'll sing all kinds of happy songs on my way back I'm done Daniel Jones looked horrible in this game not necessarily I I don't even know how to blame him you know there's just not a lot of talent around him no Barkley no Shepard Slayton played a horrible game like there's just not a lot of talent around this team and it's Joe Judge low-key losing this team already but I'm not going to blame Joe Judge for that it's all well and good in Week One when you're fresh and you're competitive. You had all a whole month to prepare for a team. Now it's going to get tough when you're 0 and five, 0 and six. You're coming off of three straight blowout losses, and the future doesn't look any brighter. So this is going to be a long year for the Giants. They lose to the Niners, 36 to nine. Matt, please take, please, please, please move us on here.
1: Uh, well, Jacob doesn't want us to do this one, but I'm going to go ahead and knock <laughs> this one right out. Oh, Colts, Jets, I don't know if anyone didn't see this coming, but shame on you if you didn't. Uh, Colts beat the Jets 36-7, to 7, and all I can say is, if it's possible for your quarterback to get worse than what he was before, and he was pretty bad before, the Jets own that. Like, that is completely Jets football. Sam Darnold, 17-29, for 29, 168 yards, one touchdown, three picks. And I mean three absolutely brutal interceptions. Adam Gase has lost this team. You know when you hate waking up in the morning because you have to go to work? That's the entire New York Jets football team. They don't want to be there. They have no interest in playing games. Hell, I bet they would all take a leave of absence and declare that they don't want to play the season due to COVID then play for Adam Gase at this point. Gase has lost his team. I mean, you just take a look at the Colts. Rivers threw for one touchdown pass 17 for 21, 217 yards, one touchdown, no picks. Jonathan Taylor, 13 carries, 59 yards, one touchdown. Where did all the points come from, you ask? Sam Darnold. That's where the Colts got their points. So thank you, Sam. The Colts will send you a gift basket.
0: All right, we are going to be moving on now to the last game in the northeast of the country, and it is the New England Patriots just taking care of the Oakland Raiders. And uh, I thought this game was going to be pretty close, and it ended up not being the case. The Patriots win thirty-six to twenty, uh, and it was the Sony Michelle show, and you know, the, really the Sony Michelle Rex Burkhead show, I should say, because this is this is a a large, and this is a Bill Belichick special here because this is several running backs. Coming in, and it's running back by committee, but all of them are equally as effective. Sony Michelle came in at nine carries, 117 yards. I mean, that's a ridiculous yards per carry average right there, considering he didn't do anything in the Seahawks game. Rex Burkhead, where has he been? He had six carries for 49 yards and two touchdowns. He also had seven catches for 49 yards and a touchdown. I had I was playing against someone who started Rex Burkhead in fantasy this week. You know how stupid or bad luck that has, you have to be in to face someone playing Rex Burkhead? I'm, I'm, that's a whole other story. We'll talk about fantasy a little later on. Anyway, but Cam Newton, 17 to 28, 162 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And for some reason, the Raiders just could not get themselves into this game. They could not stop the Patriots' rushing attack. And this is what the Ravens intend to do here is this ball control offense. If I could find time of possession, I would tell you, but I can't seem to locate that, that number off the top of my head. But I would be willing to guess that the Patriots had the ball here for for more than 45 minutes because they dominated this game. Uh, Derek Carr, 24-32, 261, two touchdowns. Not the worst stat line ever, but you get got the sense that Derek Carr uh is very limited in what he can do and we've talked about his, how he's a dink and dunk kind of guy doesn't force the push the ball down the field um Josh Jacobs banged up 16 carries 71 yards and this is my favorite thing about Bill Belichick what did he say last week he said Darren Waller is a, like a really good player he said he's about as good at a tight end since I, that I've seen since Gronk basically and Darren Waller had two catches for nine yards. <laughs> uh, Bill Belichick doesn't just say these things for his health. He he launches this tape and he goes, yeah, that guy's good. Not going to be good against us. So uh, Patriots roll. They're two and one now, Matt. What's next on the slate?
1: Oh, m- my favorite NFC North team, the Minnesota Vikings, and their trials and tribulations at the quarterback position with Kirk Cousins against the Tennessee Titans. So Tennessee, let's talk about Tennessee. They they were down early. At one point, Randy, with about, I don't know, going into the fourth quarter, they were down 30 to 25. They get within 28 to 30. So you're like, okay, you know, 28 to 30. There's about seven minutes left. You figure Minnesota is going to put the game away, you know, run their four-minute offense. What do they do? They punt. Okay. All right. Get an iffy. Then 31 to 30 because Tennessee only has to go 44 yards, kicks a field goal with Gaskowski, 55 yarder, redeems himself. He hit six field goals this game. And then our favorite quarterback in the NFC North, Kirk Cousins, throws a game ending interception (laughs) like he usually does. And Tennessee just takes two knees and ends the game. You know, at this point, as a Vikings fan, you have to be so sick of Kirk Cousins that you want just, you know, You'll hire Randy to drive him to Minneapolis, St. Paul, (laughs) to their airport. Uh, You know, the Vikings just find ways to lose games because they have a shitty quarterback. Everyone wanted to proclaim Kirk Cousins like this great quarterback who's going to have this breakout year, and it's not there because he's garbage. Kirk Cousins is garbage. Everyone say it one time. It'll make you feel better, even the Viking fans. All right, one, (laughs) two, three, Kirk Cousins is garbage. We feel better now. <laughs> now breathe. <laughs> All right, uh, Kirk Cousins uh,
0: might be suing us here soon for defamation. Uh, <laughs> moving on now to Cleveland, where the Cleveland Browns handled the Washington Football Team, thirty-four to twenty, and an efficient game from Baker Mayfield, sixteen to twenty-three, only one hundred fifty-six yards passing, two touchdowns in the air. This is the recipe for the Browns. The Browns have the best two-man rushing attack in the league. I will say it every week until it is not true. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is the best backfield that you can have. Nick Chubb, 19 carries for 108 yards and two touchdowns. He is a beast. He runs so physical, and in between the tackles, he's still so elusive. I love the way Nick Chubb runs north and south. Nick Chubb is one of the most complete running backs in the NFL. And then you complement him with Kareem Hunt, who had 16 carries for 46 yards, but he also had two catches for 18 yards, and they both scored touchdowns. This team is going as far as this rushing attack takes them, and I love how Kevin Stefanski is relying on these two guys to carry them, and they're not relying on Baker Mayfield to force the issue at hand, not trying to force the ball to Odell Beckham Jr., not forcing these little dump-off passes to Jarvis Landry. They are playing to their strengths, and this is what Freddie Kitchens did not do last year. It is a big difference in coaching, and you can tell. It helps that Chase Young leaves this game with an injury, which we'll touch on in a little bit, and it also helps that the quarterback on the other side of the field is not getting much better. I know you said you saw improvement from Dwayne Haskins last week, but he had 21, 21 of 37, 224 yards, two touchdowns, and he had three absolutely horrific interceptions that you cannot turn the ball over three times and expect to win this game. And he also had two fumbles, and he lost one. So you have four turnovers in a game. You're not going to win very many games when you have that many turnovers. So, um, you know, Antonio Gibson finds the end zone, nine carries, 49 yards and a touch. Terry McLaurin, four catches, 83 yards. But this game, to me, completely on Dwayne Haskins. Can't turn the ball over that much. I don't care if it is against the Browns. But now the Browns, by the way, this is their first winning record since 2014. So credit to the Browns and credit to us for talking about how good the Browns could potentially be this year. I'm excited what the future holds for Cleveland.
1: Oh, boy. It's our annual Bill O'Brien segment. It happens every week. So here we go with the Houston Texans with absolutely – I mean, this game is the epitome of just a bad, just a terrible situation. So, at one point, uh, the Texans lose 28 to 21. Steelers get those 28 points. But at halftime, Randy, it was 21-17 Houston. At one point, it was 14 to 3 Houston. So, you're thinking, all right, the Texans have this one in the bag. But, oh, no, Houston does Houston things. Coming out of halftime, they surrender a field goal. Their next four possessions, three plays punt, three plays punt, Eight plays interception, three plays punt, and that was the end of the game. The Steelers killed four minutes and 47 seconds to end the game. This Houston team, and you have to feel for Deshaun Watson here, he has no help. Watson goes 19 for 27, 264 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. How he's putting up these numbers is a work of magic. Our favorite player, David Johnson. You traded DeAndre Hopkins for him, 13 carries, 23 yards, one touchdown, and then oh, receiving two receptions, 23 yards for a grand total of 46 total yards. Randy, I don't know how he's going to get to that 1,000 yards, 1,000 yards, but he better start getting moving. Uh, this Texans team is just bad. It, it's, it's an awful situation, and I don't know how the hell the Texans get out of here. But Bill O'Brien, the GM, deserves to fire Bill O'Brien, the head coach, and then the owner deserves to fire Bill O'Brien, the GM, so he can get fired twice.
0: <laughs> I thought so. I thought I was so confident in my prediction; it was so close to coming true. And then the Texans get a Texans. So uh, this is why I'm not good at predicting upsets, but. Here we are. Moving on to the city of brotherly love where I'm sorry, Matt, this is as bad as the Giants were this week and as bad as the Jets were this week. This is the most pathetic game of the week because neither team tried to win. And that is the most un-American, unpatriotic, most lack of competitive spirit thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. I could not stand how this game ended. And as soon as it went to overtime, credit to my buddy, Greg, who I watched every every Sunday with on Red Zone. He goes, this game's going to end in a tie. He was so confident and then as soon as the overtime started i hate the 10 minute overtime rule but regardless both of these teams had a chance to win this game and then at the end i'll just point out that the the eagles had a chance they were going to kick a 59 yard field goal with jake elliott who as a giants fan i can't stand because he did make a 61 yard field goal against us a couple years ago and ended our season in week three basically and then there's a false start they get pushed back five yards and what does doug peterson do this is by the way with like six seconds left in the overtime he decides I'm not going to kick it. I'm going to punt it. I'm going to punt the ball in overtime. Don't even throw a Hail Mary. Nothing. I'm going to punt. The What are you doing? You just said I'm okay with tying because I might lose if I miss this field goal and give the Bengals good field position. Fat Randy, shout out to all the Fat Randys out there, isn't making a 60-yard field goal to win against – I'm just maddening how these teams managed to blow this game. The Bengals had this game won. Carson Wentz, to his credit, drove the length of the field at the end of the game, put the team on his back, rushed for a touchdown to tie the game late. I am just, I, I could not believe how these teams handled the end of this game. I was so angry. I know ties not as bad as a loss. A uh, tie like kissing your sister. I'm sick of it. No, no ties. I'm sick of ties. It's not good. I know it's like, well, the, now the Eagles are going to somehow win the NFC East because they're going to be seven, eight and one. And the Cowboys are going to be seven and nine. Great. I'm, I'm, I'm hope you're proud of yourself, but to me, I'd be embarrassed if I was a fan of either of these teams. But if I'm a Bengals fan, I walk away thinking, all right, Joe Burrow, he's still the man because he still played very well in this game. He had 31 4, 44, 312 yards, two touchdowns and no turnovers. That's what I'm looking for to a young quarterback. And I I can't talk about this game anymore because it makes me mad, but the Eagles have a lot of issues. Doug Peterson, shame on you. Absolutely shame on you. Matt, move on for us, please.
1: Well, just to touch on that, they also decapitated Joe Burrow. Like, I'm surprised his head was still attached to his body after that one hit. So, kudos to Joe Burrow for coming back and getting pissed (laughs) off and proceeding to tie with the Eagles. Next game, fantastic game. This game made up for a lot of shit this weekend, but Seattle and Dallas, mm-hmm. a lot of back and forth, 38-31 Seahawks, and what can I say? You know, DK Metcalf had one of those dumb plays where you're just like, oh, why'd you do that? Yeah. We are letting it. <laughs> and that's fine. You know what? That's fine. Because if Russell Wilson's your quarterback, you know he's gonna make it up. So let's just go through some numbers real quick. Dak Prescott threw the ball 57 times, and I don't care what world you live in. Dak throws the ball 57 times. You are in trouble. Three touchdowns, two picks, 472 yards. The reason why you had to throw it 57 times? Because Zeke only had 14 carries for 34 yards. Talk a lot about what you want about the Seattle defensive front, but they stopped the run. They have stopped the run against a very committed run team in Dallas. Now, what does Mr. Unlimited do? (laughs) 27 out of 40, 315 yards, five touchdowns. And the best deep ball receiver in the NFL currently, DK Metcalf, four receptions, 110 yards, should be two touchdowns, but he only gets one. Tyler Lockett, nine catches, 100 yards, three touchdowns. So it helps when you get that kind of production. Dallas is in this death spiral. They should have lost to Atlanta. They lost to Seattle. This is a bad football team. Seattle needs to find something defensively to stop the pass. I mean, you can't keep on doing this, but it was an entertaining game. Happy to see the Seahawks win yet again. My MVP pick looking pretty good there, Matt. Russell Wilson is
0: the man. Moving on now to Denver. Denver, Colorado, where remember last week when we said Jeff Driscoll kind of looked good against that Pittsburgh defense? Yeah, that, that, that was short-lived because the Bucs defense really made him look pretty bad here. Uh, 17 to 30, 176 yards, one touchdown, and one pick. Actually got pulled for Brandon Rippian. and I don't know if there's any relation to the former Washington quarterback who helped them win a Super Bowl back in the 80s, but spelled the same way. I don't even know if I said the name right, so my apologies if I, I'm showing my age there. But this is the uh, coming out party for Mr. Tom Brady, because this is the first game he looked really good as the Bucks quarterback. And it's 25 of 38, 297 yards, three touchdowns. And this is with Chris Godwin leaving the game. And this is with not the greatest rushing attack ever. Um, Chris Godwin had five for 64 and a touchdown. Uh, Mike Evans, this is the weirdest stat line to me. Two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. So, they get to the goal line. It's like you know what, Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette. Now we're good. We're just going to throw a little quick slant here to Mike Evans, and it worked. So uh, and Gronk, this has been a, this is a good game for Gronk. He had ten tar- um seven targets, I should say, six catches for forty eight yards. He looks skinny. I know he lo- lost a bunch of weight after he retired. Does not look like the old Gronk, but he's still they're still trying to get him involved here. Um, you know, tough slug for the Broncos this year. They're very banged up, but the Bucks and that Bucks defense, and sp- especially. Very impressed with, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the Bucks here in the future. Matt,
1: what have we got next? Bears-Falcons, the game of the week. I'm kidding. Another game that I accurately predicted, not score-wise, but I knew the Bears would win this one. Why? Because the Falcons always falcon. The Bears win 30-26. to 26. We were in dire straits here, my fellow Bears fans. Mitch Trubisky, trash can Trubisky, 13 for 22, 128 yards, one touchdown, one interception. I'm going to start off by saying this, you know, I've watched the Bears game and the, the game tape hasn't come out yet. So I don't know everything that's happened, but watching him the past two weeks on the game tape, Randy, he misses so many throws, so many reads, so many guys. And it's the same thing that happened in 2019. I think 2018, we excused a lot of it because they were up by a lot of points because the defense kept on scoring all these touchdowns but you expected progress. Trubisky's the same quarterback he was in 2018 to 2019 to 2020. He's like what Jets fans hope Sam Darnold would be. Just stay at this level. Don't do this. Just flatline. But no, you know, Mitch throws a terrible interception to the Falcons, down 23 to 10, just just a completely stupid throw. This one you can see. Receivers were running – crossing routes one was running a drag the other one was running an arrow route and of course trubisky stares down the zone sitting cornerback and throws the worst interception you've ever seen i don't know how he couldn't see him jimmy graham did nothing to help i don't know what they had Nagy said he needed to hit the arrow route coming out of there but he didn't which was Allen robinson so they pull him and what happens big dick nick Big Dick Nick comes in and is the Lord and Savior of the Chicago Bears. 16 of 29, 188 yards. Three touchdowns, and it should have been five and i 'm going to take Anthony Miller to task here. Great, you caught the last touchdown pass, and we 'll touch on running to the L in a minute, but damn it, Anthony Miller has all this swag as he likes to say, all this bravado, all this so you have to catch passes that hit you in your hands i don 't care if you 're falling down to the ground. you get paid to catch those passes. The referees. My issue with the Allen Robinson touchdown, you ruled it a touchdown. There was not indisputable evidence to turn it over. We don't know who had possession when, you, when they went to the ground. Tie goes to the receiver. But you called it a touchdown on the field. How did that shit get overturned? If you called it an interception on the field, then yes, it should have stayed an interception. That was a bullshit call by one of the worst refereeing jobs this year. The Akeem's Hicks sack, Randy, I'm not sure if you saw that. He tackled Matt Ryan and got called for roughing the passer. How the hell are you supposed to tackle a quarterback? Like just, hey, man, I'm not going to touch him. I I got here. But besides all that, Nick Foles takes care of it, like I said, in the huddle, telling Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller you just run to the L I'll hit you he knew the blitz was Coming he saw it blitz Zero on his ass and he throws A perfect strike after getting lit up It's going to be a lot about the Bears Coming up because these are The four biggest games That Matt Nagy has for his entire Career right here I think I I honestly believe The Bears are going to win three out of one Or three out of four here and we're going To go in at seven and one Randy will be 7-1, and one, headed to the wow. playoffs.
0: Wow. Uh, I, I don't know your schedule off the top of my head, but that is interesting. Because if you asked me who the worst 3-0 team is, I would probably tell you the Bears. But with Foles, it's a different uh, different ballgame because, you know, Mitch Mitch really held you guys back. So, um, you mentioned it. The, the thing to me that I that was notable was Foles coming in there and said, hey, you know, if they come on the blitz, just run to that L in the end zone than the ATL. And I'll hit you. And he did. You know, that's that's all on Falls being the veteran and knowing what to look for. So I'm interested to watch the Bears now. They are now a watchable team to me, despite being three-up. The Falcons, a quick note on the Falcons before we move on. Uh they they are the first team to lose uh games when they're up their first team to lose two games while being up fifteen, uh, I believe in the fourth quarter. Uh, ever in the nfl and within one season and they did it back-to-back weeks so shout out to atlanta you uh somehow find new ways to lose each and every week all right one more game before our game of the week here and this is a matt bushnell upset special ding 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 matt bushnell correctly predicted carolina panthers over the los angeles chargers good job my friend teddy two gloves 22 of 28 238 235 yards one touchdown no picks Mike Davis filling in for CMC, 13 carries, 46 yards. Uh, he also had eight catches for 45 yards. So he's doing his best CMC impression. Um, you know, the Carolina defense came in here and they, they did a good job here, but despite Justin Herbert's um, stat line being 35 of 49, 330 yards and a touchdown, um, and he also had a pick and he had a fumble. So the turnovers is what killed the chargers in here, but, Austin Eckler, 12 carries, 59 yards, and a touchdown. Keenan Allen, and thank you because I love, like Justin Herbert has become my favorite quarterback just because I have so much Keenan Allen stock in fantasy. Uh, 13 catches, 132 yards, and a touchdown. Um, and they had a chance to win this game at the end. I don't know if you saw, but they had a hook and ladder play designed where they had the hook part, and, and Allen caught the hook. And when he lateraled it to Eckler, who appeared had room to run, uh, Allen just pitched it too far out wide and Eckler ended up dropping it, and uh, the game was over there. But I, I would have loved to see how that play shook out if they could have pulled that off. But credit to you, Matt. You you, you correctly predicted this upset victory here. The Chargers, going to Charger, regardless of Phil Rivers is the quarterback or not, they lose a game that they easily should have won. Um, but Panthers, Matt Rule getting his first career victory, and good job on the Panthers part. Good job on your prediction there, bud.
1: Yeah, you know, it was one of those gut feelings where I just felt like the Panthers were close knocking on the door, and I don't believe in the Chargers yet. I think the Chargers have some issues. So, you know, I would like to take all credit, and I will. CMC being out, no one would have done that. So, (laughs) go me.
0: Yes, go you. Uh, And now we move on to our game of the week, and we have a special guest who is working on joining us at the moment. Um, but it is the Lions over the Cardinals here, and we're going to welcome in our resident Arizona fan as soon as he joins us. Um, But, Matt, give me your quick thoughts on this game before our friend Corey Decker joins the show.
1: Well, you know, know, Corey's not wearing his Arizona Cardinals jersey today for good reasons because (laughs) Kyler Murray officially took himself out of the MVP race this past Sunday. You know, I'm just going to say this. Every team's – Hold on, I'll let you talk in a minute, Corey. Just, just hold on one second here. <laughs> Every team has that one team, and it's stupid. You never get it. You don't understand why. You know, baseball, I remember the White Sox could never be Oakland. Every time they went to Oakland, they were going to lose, and it didn't matter what team you put. The 2005 White Sox got their ass kicked by Oakland, and it didn't make any sense. The Cardinals' bugaboo is the Detroit Lions. Like, of all the teams to be bad against, why the Lions? But, now I'll say this. Kyler Murray, hopefully this is kind of one of those wake-up calls where you realize you just can't do it all on your own. You, you need to follow the structure of the play. You need to go through reads and your athleticism, while great, is not good enough to win by itself in this league. So, hopefully it's a wake-up game. Sure.
0: All right, now he's here. Corey Decker. Our resident Arizona Cardinals Frank. Corey, how are you doing today, bud?
2: I'm doing pretty good. You know, Matt, with a guy uh for a guy that has six kids, you sure like to prematurely ejaculate on football.
1: Wow. <laughs> hey hey, hey, you know what though This is a kid show. <laughs> well, not anymore. <laughs> Seeing how my team hasn't lost to the Detroit favorite. Lions in almost oh, half man. a decade. And your team can't beat the Detroit Lions. I mean you – know
2: You know what's crazy about that? We have – you were talking about those opponents. We have the Lions and then the Panthers who we haven't – the Panthers are 12-5 and five against the Cardinals ever since they first started. So we have two of these teams back-to-back. It's insane.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, the Panthers wow. are just happy with what – I the, did not they, realize
2: that. Yeah. Every loss that we've had to him over the past, since 2013, has been by at least two possessions. So don't pick the Cardinals and pick them.
1: <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I, I guess those <laughs> Cardinals are scared of pussy, uh, huh? Our, our,
2: yeah, I mean.
1: Uh, um. Okay, all right, get, get the show was a back. Fight. This, this, this wasn't... A- <laughs>
0: We were 20 episodes into the show, and it was a family show. We are completely off the rails now. (laughs) But, Corey, we're having you on here so you can talk about some Cardinals. Uh, Kyler Murray had three turnovers in this game. Obviously, still put up great numbers, and I'll pull them up here quickly if I can just get this damn computer to work. But, you know, he still played pretty well, but he also had some brutal turnovers, which obviously led to this loss. Um, Was this a matter of time for you with Kyler Murray, or was this pretty surprising?
2: No, it was a matter of time. I mean – he had some bad games, uh, his rookie season, but I think that I think that the team was being a little high and mighty on themselves entering this game, uh, entering this game two and zero and looking down on this Lions opponent. Which, as Matt said earlier, the Lions have beaten the Cardinals a lot, except for last year, which was a tie. Which. Who the fuck made that rule? Ties this this isn't participation trophies. Don't yeah. I don't like ties either. <laughs> but the Cardinals were just bad in all three facets of the game, and then we had all sorts of injuries on defense, but even with those players in, I think Matt Stafford would have lit up this defense.
0: Yeah, Stafford really played well in this game, 22 of 31, 270 yards, two touchdowns. The big thing is that he didn't turn the ball over, uh, and that's the difference in the game. When you lose a close game, you know, 26-23 to as you did, it comes down to Kyler Murray throwing three brutal interceptions. Um, you know, is, is he kind of like – DeAndre Hopkins had 12 targets, 10 catches for 137 yards. I kind of missed the interceptions. So what was the issue with the picks? Was he staring down Hopkins too much, trying to make too much happen? What, what was going on there?
2: Um, if I remember correctly, because I caught a lot of this game on radio and then went back and watched the highlights, there was a lot of them where there was one interception that he was staring down Fitzgerald the entire way. And then the other one was he he thought Dan Arnold was 10 feet tall instead of the nine and a half that he is, and <laughs> tipped him off the, the top of his hands, and the, the guy – ended up picking the ball and then the third one the third and the fourth one it doesn't pop up because the fourth interception was was brought back but like those those were those were all on kyler it's like those those were his bad
0: yeah um You know, this is obviously a game the Cardinals would love to have back. They could have easily won this game. They can easily be one of the 3-0 teams in the league. They obviously they have production from Kenyon Drake, 18 carries, 73 yards. They don't have an issue moving the ball. They don't turn the ball over. They are a great offense, or at least, you know, an offense with great potential. The defense needs work for sure. Um, you have Adrian Peterson rushing for 22 t- uh, times for 75 yards. Uh, Kerryon Johnson adds 16 on top of that. Um, but, Matt, I want to ask you, because you watched the Lions against the Bears and we covered them against the Packers as well. Leon, our buddy, Leon Tompkins, uh, has touted the Lions offense saying they have top five potential. This is the first game for Kenny Galladay. He had six catches for 57 yards and a touchdown. Is this a different team with Baby Tron in the lineup?
1: <laughs> Baby Tron, that's funny. Um... You know, it's hard because you take a look at the really good offenses in the NFL. I look at the Chiefs, uh, you know, the Ravens when they're not playing the Chiefs. Um, We take a look at the Packers. I mean, even the Saints to an extent. Um, You know, the 49ers lit it up. I mean, there's better offenses out there that I would take over the Lions. Galladay's nice. He's not, you know, anybody that should be taken lightly. The Lions should be – realistically a 500 football team with the talent I I, I love you know Jeff Okuda I, I think the way he played when, when he was in the game you noticed it right away and I will say this that was a tremendous pick Jeff Okuda has been everything and a little bit more on top of it those first three picks of Joe Burrow um, Chase Young and Jeffrey Okuda you could see they're the three best players in that draft already so you know, that's tough to argue. All three teams nailed those picks. But the, the Lions leave too many possessions out there to be a top five offense. You know, is there potential? Could they be top ten? Stafford's got to stop throwing picks on a consistent basis. He's mm-hmm. got to be more efficient on third down. They they can't take the sacks that they take. Um, and then we talk about defensively, you know, it's just the trademark of a bad coach team, of a poorly coached team. That's what the Lions struggle with is coaching. They haven't had a really good coach since – I'd say I'll go back to Jim Caldwell. I think Jim Caldwell should have stayed with the team. Should have never been fired. He had that team trending in the right direction, I thought. And then you hire in Patriot boy who just screws up everything. And you know what? This is where the Lions are at. Top five offense, no. Top ten potential, Yes.
0: Yeah, I don't necessarily believe the top five uh, uh, potential here, but I think that Kenny Galladay adds another element that they were missing, which is a big number one wide receiver that Stafford obviously trusts, and I think that can go a long way for Stafford. Uh, I think it helps open up the rushing attack, too. Um, But, Corey Decker, before we let you go here, I just want to ask you, you know, how does this game change your thoughts on the Cardinals in 2020, if at all? Uh, What are your expectations for the Cardinals?
2: I don't think they've changed much. Uh like like Matt said, we've just we've just always had a problem with the damn lions. I don't get it. It's just maybe they are scared of pussy. I don't know. I mean I don't see very pictures of Kyler with a girlfriend, so maybe that's it, you know? But uh it doesn't really do anything. I had him at nine and seven. I still think that we have some easy games coming up past the Panthers. Like I think we have both New York teams this year, so that's both Ws. Um, but no, it doesn't really do anything. I just I'm I'm just interested to see if they're able to bounce back against a uh, franchise that have had the Cardinals had the Cardinals number ever since they became a franchise. So I'm looking okay. forward to the I game can- against Carolina.
0: That game's a stay away for me. I don't trust uh, a betting line uh, in that game. So uh, that game is going to be very, very interesting. I still like the Cardinals this year a lot. Um, I love their offense. I don't think Kyler's got turnover issues. I think he just had a bad game. I think he'll figure out those problems. His size will always concern me. The way he runs, it feels like he's a little guy running. You know, he's got small legs. Like, it feels like he has to move so much more <laughs> than other people to run. It's it's kind of cute. Like, I shouldn't describe a quarterback as cute, but I like, guess the best way I can describe it is just he's a, like a little guy. He's moving his legs mouse. as fast as he can. Like, hit the, <laughs> yeah, he's like, might Mouse is a good way of putting it. Like, it's it's just a little adorable how he's running around all the time. But uh, I appreciate the fantasy points from Kyler, but the three turnovers, got to clean that up. Shout out to Leon. Uh, congrats on you on the upset here. Corey, before we let you go, is there anything you want to plug, anything you want to say to our audience uh, before we move on?
2: Uh, no. I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't really have anything to promote, so I, I don't know. Okay. All right. Well,
0: I'll <laughs> promote it for you. Go over to Daily Life. Check out some of the conversations we have over there. Uh, Corey runs, does a great job running the AMAs uh, when we get those things back up and running again. Um, Corey, thank you so much for joining us, man. It was a pleasure to have you on to talk some Cardinals. Uh, look forward to having you again in the future. Uh, hope you have a great day. You too. All right. That is Corey Decker, our resident Cardinals fan, Matt. Uh, and now is the depressing part of the show. Where we have to talk about news and injuries. Um, uh, coming out today, it is reported that the Titans have several, uh, COVID-19 positive cases and in which the Titans and the Vikings both have shut down their facilities uh, and precautions so they can go through testing and contract tracing efforts. So um, they are not, I believe the Titans told their team to be prepared to play Sunday without any practice. I don't know what the case is for the Vikings here, um, but there could be some game cancellations. There could be, uh, the NFL could just come out and say these were false positives like they've done in the past. Uh, What do you make of this whole situation?
1: Yeah, I saw something come out uh, about 20 minutes ago where the Titans and Steelers will play Sunday at their regular scheduled time. Um, yeah. The Vikings testing has all come back negative, so no, te- no positives yet for the Vikings. So we'll see how that goes, but they did shut down in-person activities there in Minnesota as well. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, it's just a bunch of negatives and we get no delays in the schedule. I know they'll move it to Monday night if they have to, as far as the backup plan. Yeah. So I'm not overly concerned yet. It's just a bad, bad situation to be in. Hopefully it's just all Mm -hmm. asymptomatic and, you know, these Mm -hmm. false positives maybe or something. But yeah, it's it's not a good situation. You never want to hear that.
0: It was only a matter of time. You know, I I think the NFL has done a really good job of following protocols and having guidelines in place. Um, But sometimes this sort of thing is is hard to prevent. You could do all the right things and still get it. So uh, I have no doubt the NFL will uh, handle this. And uh, I can't imagine a cancellation is in place unless, you know, half the team has it. But like you said, it seems like to me they are going to move forward. And if they have to delay the game to Monday, they can which is a good sign. I think they have a good contingency plan in place. Uh, like you said, I hope no one is seriously ill with this and I hope everyone can move on and it's it's fine. I haven't heard any other issues with any other teams and it seems like it's just the Titans. So let's get those guys who have it uh, out there quarantined. If you don't got have it, let's move on and, and try to try to figure out how to move forward with the schedule here because that's what I'm concerned about. If you start rescheduling games or canceling games, I don't know how you make those up in football. It's a lot easier to make it up with double headers in baseball. It's not that easy to do uh, – in the NFL. Okay. Well, I wrote this rundown earlier today and I was expecting Earl Thomas, the free agent safety to sign with the Houston Texans. And, you know, obviously before the show, things change. They called off their workout with the former all pro safety and just decided they were not going to sign Earl Thomas. This also comes the day after uh, skip Bayless, uh, famed hot taker claimed that the Cowboys lost that game to the Seahawks because they did not sign Earl Thomas, which is just a completely asinine thing to say. Um, but, I don't know what happened here. What do you think happened with the situation with Houston?
1: Earl Thomas is batshit crazy. Um, yeah. I mean, this something popped up. I mean, maybe it was COVID. But, yeah, it is something that you have to be concerned about with the COVID. And you really don't know what Earl Thomas is doing out there. It seems like he's really kind of lost his mind lately. So, he might have been out there with his side chick and then his other side chick. And, you know, they've been around a bunch of people. So, I think the Texans are doing this out of an abundance of caution. So I tip my cap to the Texans on this one. And Skip Bayless is an idiot. Like, anytime anybody listens to him, (laughs) watches him, it's worse than alcohol. You immediately lose brain cells upon sight.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there because Earl Thomas had his name mentioned a couple times this week, which I thought was interesting. Um, And now we got uh, unfortunate injury news here, and I want to start with one of the hits that really made me mad uh, over the weekend, and I just want to pull up the guy's name. But Chris Carson has a knee sprain and is expecting to miss a couple weeks. Um, I just want to find out that the Cowboys defensive lineman, but um, Tristan Hill um, basically rolled on top of him and then spun and then twisted his leg. And that is just, you, you, you. I mean, there are clean hits that are hard hits, which is old school football that get called for penalties. This was as dirty of a hit as you can have. You are intentionally trying to hurt someone at that point. This guy needs to be suspended.
1: Absolutely, because, you know, football, you're giving yourself up. You know, you're putting your body at risk here. It's a lot like professional wrestling. You know, you're trusting people to take care of you when, when it's over with in, in situations like that. I mean, it's definitely a code out there that, hey, man, once that whistle stops, all that activity is done. You don't take any cheap shots. Because guess what? Offensive linemen, the shit that they can do to your knees on the defensive line, shot blocks, they'll take the 15-yarder. Seahawks play the Cowboys again, someone's going to go for his knees. It's going to be a nasty-looking chop block, and it could end his career. And that's why teams don't do this, because you respect each other. But this mm-hmm. – this was bush league this was bullshit and i know if i was the seahawks next time we see dallas it may not be this year but next year there's a receipt to be given
0: yep uh there are unwritten rules in football too believe it or not and i think that they're better than the ones in baseball because this is just a moral thing at this point you know you no know, no need to go out there and intentionally try to hurt people it's a violent game guys get hurt as is no need to go out there and do something intentional like that and uh as someone who has a lot of chris carson in fantasy i'm pretty mad at <laughs> that I'm not going to have him for a couple weeks because of some dirt bag. Uh, another guy named Chris, two guys, more. I'm going to talk to two more guys named Chris. Chris Godwin uh, left that game with a hamstring issue. This is shaping up to be an injury riddled season for Chris Godwin after the concussion problems.
1: Yeah, at this point, take your time. Don't rush it back. Get 100% healthy because guess what? There's enough options on this team to survive without them. And once you start having those chronic concussion issues, it could be a career ender.
0: Yep, and then finally on Monday Night Football, Chris Jones left the game with a groin problem. Uh, Didn't seem to be that serious, but the the Chiefs are monitoring that. If they lose him, obviously it would be a big loss.
1: Yeah, I mean, instead of getting five stops a game, they'll get three and they'll still win by two touchdowns. Huge loss. Yeah, ultimately
0: ultimately, uh, not going to affect very many wins, unfortunately for Chris Jones. Uh, Now to your Bears. Backup running back Tariq Cohen has torn his ACL, uh, joining the list a long list of players who tore their ACL and is going to miss the rest of the season. Matt, how does this affect the Bears going forward?
1: I I think this is a bigger loss than what it may appear to be on the surface because they were just finding his rhythm in the offense. You know, they tried to run him a little bit. You know, those draws and those outside sweeps didn't work out all that great. But they found little passes in the pass game to get to him and get in open yards. And you saw him with some big gains against the Falcons. So – this is going to be significant punt returning. I'm not too worried about it because they got quarter Patterson, but overall you just kind of worry about it because he's such a big weapon for the offense. It may not appear that he gets a bunch of yards, but it's a guy that defense has to respect because if you give him an inch, he can take it 30 yards. So this one is a little bit more significant than what it appears to be on the surface.
0: Yep. And then we have two more defensive players, Chase Young, who we love so much left this game with a groin problem. Uh, went back in the locker room, came out like 10 minutes later in a t-shirt, so they knew it was pretty serious. Uh, I'm not, I have not seen how, long, how much time he would miss if at all. I don't know if you have, but if they are miss Chase Young, it's going to be a big hit on that defense.
1: Yeah, groin injuries you don't want to play with. Soft tissue, that area is really iffy when you have to deal with that, and it can affect you for an entire year. So I would say he's still young. You're not going to the playoffs, even in this crappled division. Just rest him up, get him healthy, and enjoy his long career.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then the last one I want to touch on here quick is Jarrell Casey. Uh, Denver traded for Jarrell Casey uh, from Tennessee in the offseason. He completely tears his bicep, which sounds painful. Uh, He is going to miss the rest of the year, and the Broncos are just the latest team to be ravaged by injuries, especially on their defensive line. Uh, I don't know how much this affects the Broncos, but it is just, you know, another uh, added to the list of injuries for the for the Broncos, nonetheless.
1: Yeah, it just seems like, and I hate to say this, because you never want to say injury benefits other teams, but my God, what the Chiefs are going to do to the Broncos is going to be sickening. The Broncos probably can't stop the run at this point. It's going to be hard because teams can double team Bradley Chubb all day. I mean, with Vaughn Miller and Jarrell Casey being out on that defense, it, it hurts. It hurts a lot. This is a last-place team, and Vic Fangio is probably going to lose his job.
0: Yeah, which sucks because, you know, I, it's hard to, to judge it based on injuries. You know, I mean, losing Cortland Sutton and Drew Locke, it's a big part of what you thought you were going to have. You're not going to have that. And not having Von Miller is obviously as big of a loss on the defensive side as any. I feel like Vic Fangio should be given a little bit of a leash, but you might be right about that. Uh, okay, moving on now, we have a football game here on Thursday. Well, I don't really know if it's a football game, but it's something here. Um, we have uh, Broncos traveling to MetLife Stadium to face the New York Jets. And normally I have some talking points and some storylines to, to talk about here, Matt. But in this preview section, I literally just wrote, yikes.
1: <laughs> I mean, what's there to watch in this game? Uh, okay, all right my honest thoughts last week we had jacksonville in miami right you had the beard versus the stash it was a different kind of storyline there was interest in the game wasn't that bad you know i thought Minshew showed what he was but my god this game i i I don't want to see sam darnold i don't want to see driscoll or whoever else they're throwing at quarterback maybe you tune in to watch jerry judy I, i I don't even know who the Jets have that is worth watching offensively. Defensively, I'm not interested in Bradley McDougal or whatever. He's a good player. McDougal's a good player. I don't want to say that about him. But there is nothing entertaining here for me um, to watch on this Jets team. It's really hard for me to be like, okay, yay, go Jets. So I'm not looking all that forward to it to be honest with you. And then all the other storylines that we have to play with. I'm I'm just not a fan here.
0: I don't know what is like the exciting thing. Like if you're someone who hasn't gotten to watch a lot of Sam Darnold, like maybe you want to see like, what's uh, what the issue is, you know, I, I I don't know. I, I, The Jets don't interest me in the slightest. They don't have a very good roster. They obviously are a terrible football team. Uh, for Jets fans' sake, I hope Adam Gase just gets uh, the doors blown off here and maybe there's a chance – maybe there's a chance if they get embarrassed to – I want get, to get his name right – Brett Rippian, uh, who has been announced as the starting quarterback for the Broncos in place of um, of, of uh, Jeff Driscoll here, which I, I I don't know what to make of this guy. You know, the Jets, this Leon, uh, not Leon, but a uh, friend Jacob, big Jets fan, more miserable than Giants fans are, uh, has said this is the most winnable game for the Jets that, that they have remaining on their schedule. And I kind of agree with them because I don't know what to make of this quarterback here. But if you're asking me which team on paper just has more talent, it's the Broncos. They still have Melvin Gordon. They're going to get Philip Lindsay back. Um, Jerry Judy, okay, yeah, I'm, I can get down with that. Noah Fant, I could see having a, a good game here. The Jets are like the Giants where they make these teams that have issues look really good, and like they don't have issues. So I have a hard time believing that the Jets can take advantage of a situation where a team is really banged up because they are just a bad football team, and they're a mess as, as an organization. So, now nah, we don't need to spend too much time on this game. I want to get your quick thoughts, and I want to get uh, an official score uh, prediction from you.
1: I, I, I hate this game. I, I, I don't like any storylines to it, but I will take – Denver to win this game, <sighs> I, I, Sam Darnold's probably going to throw a touchdown that the Broncos will score, not the Jets. So, um, God, uh, Broncos 20, Jets 13. Yeah,
0: I love how in your breakdown of the Jets game, uh, the Colts had a certain amount of points, but thanks to Sam Darnold, they got 14 points on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, I have a feeling he will help them again. I'm going to go 21 Broncos jets, nine, uh, going to be ugly. This is not an ideal game for Thursday night football, but here we are. Um, and this, this is going to be the game for, uh, for all of us to just go to bed early and not even worry about a lot of good playoff baseball. Um, a lot of other things you can watch instead.
1: Yeah. Well, the all good right. thing is, well, I was going to say, the good thing is this is the last Thursday night football game solely on NFL network. So Fox knew what they were doing. They're like, ah, no, 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 no. You, you go ahead and keep that Jets and Broncos game. We'll wait for Bears box.
0: Yes. uh, And that is a significant upgrade on Thursday night, uh, the following week, which we will be much more excited to talk about that game (laughs) next Tuesday here on the audible. Um, All right. We're going to wrap things up here with a quick fantasy update, Matt, and uh, in our 10 team league for the audible, you beat me. And a big part of that is because when you're in six fantasy leagues, Matt, I just want to tell you that you certain, you're, sometimes you just get uh, you overlook some things, and you're just I maybe mean, you're not focused on certain leagues that uh, don't mean as much to you. And that might sound like an excuse, but it is simply a reason um, that that is why Julio Jones was still in my starting lineup. <laughs> Gave me a big fat goose egg against you, uh, although it would not have made a difference. You beat me 140 to 93. Um, That, for as far as audible purposes, you know, I got to do better. Uh, I'm taking care of all fantasy leagues. All fantasy leagues matter. This is my own fault for getting into six leagues, and I own that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you come chomping at the bit. You know, I didn't win a game all year in this league, and all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. you know, now I'm one and two because I beat the living bejesus (laughs) out of you. In our other league, our 12-team league, Randy, I'm free-falling and I don't have a parachute. It it is getting really bad at this point. So right now um, I I lost another one to my fellow White Sox brethren and Chris Frederick. And we we have two, three and O teams. I am the only one and two team in my division. Our lead team by, I believe Kevin Koo is three and O Corey Decker's two and one. And I forget who else is in my division, but we have EJ, who is also 3-0 and in his division. Felipe has got – is at 1-2. and two. So Felipe is trying to get to that magic three, five, three wins by the end of week five. He's in line for it. He could do it. He may squeak it out. But I'm in bad shape here, Randy. I lost Saquon. I lost Cortland Sutton. Raheem Mostert's out. I've been picking up guys on the waiver wire. I started Trubisky last week. No. He still beat me. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, you know what? Times are a desperate.
0: Yeah, fantasy can be very cruel. And a lot of times uh, it's similar to baseball where uh, you're going to fail more often than you're going to succeed. But uh, the times you do succeed are the times you appreciate. So, uh, yeah, I've had some bad luck in a lot of fantasy leagues. And in my league, which no one seems to care about, Henry's in this league with me. He's a 14-team league. Uh, I am third in the league in scoring, but I've had by far the most points scored against me. And I seem to play seem to play against the guy who scores the most every week, and I'm 0-3 because of it. And I, I'm I'm annoyed. I, this is the second straight week a tight end on Monday Night Football beat me. It was Darren Waller, then it was Travis Kelsey. I'm I'm annoyed, but we're gonna fight through it. It's only 0-3. You can come back from 0-3. Let's let's make a run here uh, in that league for me. I want to defend my championship. Not off to a great start, but I want to move on. Uh, all right, Matt. Uh, before we say goodbye here, I want to get your quick. Waiver pickups of the week. I have a couple names in mind, but I want to know what you're thinking uh, before the waivers tomorrow.
1: uh, Well, I think Daryl Henderson's picked up. If he's not, you know, pick him up. I know in both of our leagues he's picked up because I got him on my team. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, wide receiver wise, I, I really don't know this week, Randy. It it is a lot of bad out there. You see a lot of guys projected to get four and five points. So if you're in a 12-team league, pick, pickings are slim, especially with the wide receiver injuries because we've got to keep in mind, Gage is out now, and so is Julio Jones. Who knows when he's coming back? So, yeah. you know, I, Chenault got picked up pretty quickly. Maybe mm-hmm. one of the Chiefs receivers, Robinson, if he's there, mm-hmm. or Herdman, I would take a chance on. But, yeah, if, if you haven't put in a waiver claim yet, chances are you're not getting one of those guys.
0: Yeah, Hardman's available in a bunch of leagues. I don't mind that move. Um, Justin Jefferson had a breakout week with the Vikings, and just based on uh, that offense, I think he does have a role, so I wouldn't be willing to take a shot on Justin Jefferson if you're desperate. Cole Beasley had a great game for the Bills. If you're a Josh Allen believer, maybe you want to take a flyer on Cole Beasley if you're in a deeper league. Um, but after watching what Brandon Ayuk to the Giants, I'd be trying to get Brandon Ayuk if you needed a wide receiver.
2: Hold
1: on. If you're – what, what's that? Ayuk's uh, I, I, gone in my league. Jefferson's yeah. gone in my league. Like Corey. Okay. I blame Corey for this. Corey Decker took <laughs> Jess and Jefferson. <laughs> Screw you, Corey. Uh,
0: all right. And if you need a running back, then you're kind of SOL like the rest of us. But uh, as someone who had a lot of Chris Carson stock, um, I, would, I would try to go um, – Carlos Hyde, I guess, um, he's gotten a lot of the work, a lot of the carries that Carson didn't get, but uh, Hyde might already be gone in a lot of leagues as well. I know I'm in deeper leagues where a lot of backup running backs are gone just based on insurance. So uh, good luck. Is that, the best thing I can say is good luck. And uh, if, I will say this. You can make up some points this week with the defense. That's available in almost every league, and it's the Denver Broncos defense. Sam Darnold is the gift that keeps on giving. I'd be picking up the Denver Broncos defense and streaming them this week against the Jets.
1: Jacob said Frank Gore. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, I'm sorry, my friend. Uh, but that is a great transition because we have uh, the uh, a great show tomorrow for you over in Ball is Life called The Step Back with Jacob and Leon. And special guest, me, yours truly, is going to be on the show because, you know what, it has been the longest sports year ever, the craziest year ever, and it all started when – Lakers legend Kobe Bryant passed away in January, and now it is time for this season to come to fruition. My, my Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA Finals against the Miami Heat. I'm going to come on the show and preview the finals and talk up my Lakers and talk up LeBron and AD and hope for the best because that's all it is for. It's, it's the win it for Kobe. I know you don't like LeBron. I've never been the biggest LeBron guy, but this whole year is to win it for 8 and 2-4 and for Gigi. Let's go, Lakers.
1: I, I don't hate LeBron as a person. I I I do not enjoy the people talking him up like he's on MJ's plateau because only one person's on MJ's plateau and that's MJ. But anyway, besides that fact, I just wanted to like. To me, Randy, and I don't know how you feel about this. But I, just, I just you know I just want to touch on the basketball real quick. I'm sorry, people, but to me, it just <laughs> the environment. Miami Los Angeles to me it just feels like it deserves to be played in Los Angeles and Miami not in the bubble and I get the bubble but it's just gonna feel so weird it it really is yeah
0: you, I mean you saw how the Miami crowd really you know embraced the heat when they had that run with LeBron six years ago uh, and obviously the Lakers draw better than any team in the league so the the crowd aspect is gonna be missed here and I think it's been missed all playoffs but the NBA has done an incredible job with the bubble and uh, having no cases affect anything like that. And this has been a, a great playoffs as far as I'm concerned with this, despite having no fans, the NBA largely watchable. And there's been some great basketball action. So I'm going on with them tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be a very long day for me uh, personally on top of that show. So uh, check us out over in the step back. Those guys are great. We're going to talk um, the heat, eliminating the Celtics, the Lakers taking care of the nuggets and preview the finals. Um, I'm not sure about food life. I don't know if uh, those guys are doing the lab or not, but if they do check those guys out, they're always good at making you hungry. And those guys are great chefs uh, and Johnny and Matt Whalen. And then pod jobbers on Thursday wrestling has been the one consistent thing this whole year. Somehow WWE and AEW WWE just had a pay-per-view uh, some interesting storylines going on over there. So check out Jake Schwartz and those guys over in pod jobbers on Thursday. And then finally, Matt, we will be back on Friday, midday to recap whatever this thing is on thursday that you're calling a football game and then preview all of the week four games uh and i'm looking forward to that that should be a ton of fun matt
1: you have any parting words for our audience enjoy playoff baseball on thursday because football ain't gonna be it <laughs> yeah uh
0: yankees up 3-1 right now on shane bieber so i'm gonna go enjoy the rest of this yankees game I hope you all have a wonderful day. We'll see you guys back here Friday. I'll see you over in Ball is Life tomorrow, Matt. And uh, I hope you have a good couple of days, guys. See you.